Last week, I was uh, in Ohio, in the state of Ohio. I had the opportunity to speak for the CAT meeting at the multicultural uh, CAT meeting of the Allegheny West Conference. And something interesting happened to me. Um, I was in four different airports last weekend. Uh, you figure there's flights from here to Columbus, but I guess they got me the cheapest flight. And um, so I left from here to Atlanta and then from Atlanta to Columbus. On the way back, I figure I'm going back to Atlanta, but no, I went to Detroit and then back to LAX. And, and I spent quite a bit of time in airports last weekend. And while I was there, I realized something interesting about people. You see, people who are about to go on a plane, not necessarily go on the plane for the same reason. Some people, you could tell, you could see their faces. They were expecting, they were waiting to take that flight. They were happy they, they were at the airport. There were some others, more seasoned travelers, who travel all the time. You can see them. They carry very little luggage and usually wearing a suit or a business attire. And they go on the plane. They know where they're going. They know exactly what time to get there. They know all the steps. In fact, they go in the plane faster than everybody else because they have the miles and the status. And then you have the other ones, those who hate to flight. They are at the airport because they have to. And you see them shaky and you see them taking pills to fall asleep. And you see all kinds of things because people, some of them don't like to flight. Yet, all of those kinds of people, they are at the airport. Now, when you get on the plane, that's a different story. Because there's also all kinds of travelers. There are those who go super relaxed. You know, some go in sandals, flip-flops, and they go in shorts and t-shirts. Some others are super well-dressed. Some are very nice when you sit next to them. Some others don't care, and they take their seat and your seat. All kinds of people, all kinds of travelers, all kinds of reasons to travel. However, even when people had the same experience at the airport, when people were going in the same direction, where people were taking the same flight, not two people that I saw in these four airports were identical. Everyone that I saw last weekend was different. Different color hair, different color eyes, Different color skin, different, different attitudes, different, di different smiles. I was reading the other day that if you were to take a, a cubic foot of snow, there's about one billion different snowflakes. And every single one of them is different. See, God made us, and, and this is the time where we can go to your notes. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says that God made us. And he made us from the same material. He made us with the same stuff. It says there in verse 7, chapter 2 of Genesis, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust 
from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Now, something interesting about this. Because, see, we are all made out of the same stuff, yet we are all different. You see, God says here, and this is a, a theological point that I'd like to share with you. This is bonus. See, God made us out of two things, dust and breath. And that became a living soul, says the King James Version. See, some people believe that we are three things. That we are the spirit, the soul, and the, and, and the dust. But no, the Bible says clearly that we are two things. Dust and the breath of God, His spirit. Now, the Bible also tells us that we are made out of two materials, but we are also made in two ways. The first one is in the image of God. In the image of God, you know what image is, right? You wake up in the morning, you go to the restroom, and you see yourself in the mirror. Maybe not an image you want to see, but that's the image. That's the image that we have. Right? And that means that God has eyes and nose and a mouth and ears and a head and shoulders and arms and feet. We know that because we're made in His image. But what's most, more difficult to understand is the likeness part. Because, see, when we think about likeness, that is something that is not visu vi uh, visible. That is something that is part of the life experience. You see, let me explain it to you like this. I don't know if you ever gather with, with, with a big family or with with group of people and people you hadn't seen in a long time. Maybe maybe an older uncle who came to visit from another state, from another country. And then you see that uncle acting, moving his hands, speaking, maybe a facial expression, and you see one of the little kids from and, and living in another country who's never seen this, this uncle, but they move exactly the same. Or they move their hands the same. And you're like, oh, you're just like your uncle. See, that is likeness. That means that we act, we act, we respond, we interact, we, 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 we have different emotions that God has. Because we are made not only His appearance, but also made in His likeness. We are like Him. Now, Isaiah 64, 8 says, Now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all work of your hands. Now, now making things, it, it, it's a great experience. Uh, you know, if, if you build something or you make something, it, it, it's a cool experience. See, Gianni, my oldest son, he likes to cook. I hate cooking. In fact, I think that I put water to, to heat and I burn it. But Johnny, Johnny, he, he's a, he, he got into the cooking thing. It started all because of his fitness plan, and he began to prepare his food, and now he's getting recipes and an air fryer and all kinds of things. And I'm like, man, I want to eat your food. I come to the house, and it smells great, and I go in the kitchen. It's Johnny. Can I have some? No, it's measured. So, so see, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how to cook. I don't know how to cook. But see, when I was in junior high, I was in the electronic shop. In an electronic shop, we learned to build things with, with components. And, and one of the things that I built was an AM radio. Was an AM radio. 
And see, the, the thing about electronics is that when you get all the components, you don't put them all together and then you say, well, uh, let's see what happens. So it doesn't work like that. Before you build something in electronics, you have to design a diagram. You have to put it in paper. You have to calculate the resistance, the transistors that you're going to use. It, because you already know what the purpose is going to be of that thing that you're building. And once you build it, you know what purpose it's going to fulfill. And if it doesn't do that, then you did it wrong. In other words, in electronics, what you build first before you build it, is to have the purpose that that thing you're building is for. Are you with me? So what God is saying here is that he has a purpose for each of us even before he made us. And that is called our shape. It, it was interesting because when people started looking at the bulletin and the, name of the, and the title of the message, they were asking me, are you going to talk about shape? I'm like, no, no, that's the next series. Um, what we're going to talk about today is our shape. In our shape, uh, I read about 20 years ago uh, an, an acronym of shape that to the day, it, it's been something that I've been trying to follow, at least for myself, and today I want to share it with you. So shape, as we learn during this series in the next five weeks, and by the way, let me tell you, this is going to be one of the most important series that I've ever preached in this church. Because, see, we've been talking about spiritual growth and development, but a lot of that has been cognitive. But Christianity is not cognitive. It's practical. So if we don't learn how to put it into practice, we're never going to grow spiritually. So in this series, we're going to learn how to put all that knowledge, all that doctrine and, and, and things that we've learned about God and out of the Bible, and we're going to learn how to put it into practice in our own daily lives. So this is a very important series. So SHAPE. What is SHAPE? SHAPE is an acronym. S, the S, stands for spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are, are quite interesting. Because these spiritual gifts, uh, as the name says, are gifts Free gifts that God is giving us through His Holy Spirit. Now, the key word being here is Holy Spirit. And like any gift, you don't know what you have until you unwrap it. Are you with me? So, a person who has committed their experience, their life experience to God, God will give to this individual spiritual gifts. So it's the task of the individual to open these gifts and put them into practice. And uh, next week we'll talk more about this. The H stands for heart. Heart. And see, this has to do with our passions. See, all of us are born with things that we like and things that we don't like. Right? So those things that you like, those are your passion, the things that you're passionate about. Things that you can't stop talking about it. So that is your heart. And we all have different passions. The A stands for abilities. Abilities. These are natural talents that we are born with. You see, the difference between talents and spiritual gifts is that 
spiritual gifts, if you don't use it, you lose it. Talent, you always have it. Even if you don't know you have it, you still have it. Because you were born with it. And you can see it with little kids. Some kids are gifted swimmers. When I was, when I was a water safety instructor, uh, I remember I had this class, and it was level one. But in this level one, I have this three-year-old kid, three-year-old kid. He started swimming on his own. He was four years old, and he was in level three because he could do backstroke. You don't see that in four-year-old kids. This kid was natural, had natural ability to swim. See, some of us have natural abilities for something. To sing, to write, to, 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 to talk. You see some kids that when they ask them a, you ask them a question, they just go on and 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 on. And on and on and on. Because they, they just have this gift, gifted ability to, 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 to talk. Now, the P stands for personality. And see, personality actually means the way you react to things. See, right now you're all looking nice and smiley and happy and you're sitting there looking at me, you know. But when I say something, your personality will tell you, oh, no, no, that's weird. Oh, yeah. You know, depends where you are. How you, how you, how you react to, to unexpected situations shows your personality. And the E stands for experience. This is your life. All of us have gone through life and have experienced different situations. The places we were born, the homes we grew up in, the, 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 the decisions we made have taught us lessons. And all these lessons, all this acquired information has become our life experience. And all of us have one. So you see, when we put all these things together, our spiritual gifts, our, our passions, our abilities, our personality, and our life experience, all this makes your shape. It makes who you are. Are you breathing this morning? God made you that way. And he made you that way for a purpose. In fact, he had a purpose for you, and then he made you for that purpose. Now, the beautiful thing about this is that no one else, no one else has your shape. It's unique. It's unique. Somebody might have your spiritual gifts, but not your life experience. Somebody might have your talent, but not your passions. Because you are made unique. Now, once we understand what our shape is, how we respond to it, how we act upon finding that knowledge dictates, reflects our true spirituality. Because see, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, when we see God face to face, there are two questions that we need to answer, all of us. Two questions that we need to answer. The first question is, what did you do with Jesus Christ, my son? The Bible tells us, and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so whoever believes in him will not perish, but have. So that eternal life is depending upon what we do with the information that Jesus Christ is our Savior and that God loves us. So the first question is, what did you do with 
my son Jesus Christ? And the second question is, what did you do with the shape I gave you? Those are the two questions that at the end of the day, we need to answer before God. Now, why is my shape important? I'd like to suggest three reasons why our shape is important to you this morning. The first one is, when I use my shape, I worship God. And we're going to learn these lessons from the Psalms. Let's, let's go to Psalm 139, verse 13 and on. And it says in verse 13, For you formed me, I mean for my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Now, in the Bible, there are two words for the verb creation, to create. There are two words. The first one is, this is the word that we find in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. is the word bara in Hebrew. Can you say bara? Bara. And bara means to create something that was not there before. Something new. Something that... What's not there? And bada, we made it. Okay? Bada. The second one, the second one, and, and that is the one that, that, that pertains to us today is kana. That's a little harder to say. It's a little good or all, but kana. Can you say kana? Okay, make sure that there's nobody in front of you. Kana. Kana. And this, this word has two meanings. Two meanings. One is to make something. To make something. But the other meaning is to buy it. Now let me explain this to you. The Bible tells us that we are twice. Twice. Belonging to Jesus. One. Because he made us. He made us. And the second one is because he purchases us with his blood. So we are his kana. So here in, in, in Psalms, it says, you for me, you kana me. So I don't, I don't know if you see the importance here, but it's saying that we are his creation. We are his property because he made us from origin and because he Purchases with his blood. Now, it also says there in the text, I praise you because I am wonderfully made. Now, when I realize my shape, when I understand my shape, when I see how God made me, the first thing that should be my, my, my reaction is, God, thank you. Thank you. Now I know who I am, and I know now that I have a purpose. So I worship God when I realize my shape. And the second thing is that when I put it into practice, I begin to worship God. Because I'm doing now what he made me to do. And then at the end, it says, uh, uh, Psalm 139, my soul knows it very well. Now this is talking about an experience. That when I use my shape, when I put it into practice, I'm experience, experiencing real worship. 
Because see, oftentimes we have the misconstrued idea that worship is what we come to do at church. And that's a, a, a misunderstanding idea of worship. Worship is not when we sing only, it's the things that we do mostly. So when I understand my shape, I worship God. You see, humanity was made with an innate desire and need to worship. When we study history and we see all the cultures that have lived on this planet throughout the ages, we see that every single culture, every single people who's lived on this planet has always experienced some kind of worship. Because all of us, all of us have been born with an innate desire to worship something or someone. The thing is this, that what we worship is what we become. Some of us still in this age worship things and we become like things. But when we see the God of the Bible, we discover that we were not made to become a thing. We, become, we, we, we were made to become an individual, an individual. And because we were made individuals, that means that nobody is like me. We are to worship the God that is like no one. So worship is not only by the way we speak, but it's by the way we act. So when I use my shape, I worship God. The second suggestion that I want to share with you today is that when I use my shape, I honor God's purpose. Verse 15, Psalm 139, it says, My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. So this means, family, that nobody knew our purpose. Nobody knew the reasons why we were made, but God was the only one who knew it. He's the only one who knows it. Now no, notice there that it's this intricate. That means that God made every single detail, every single part. It was planned. It was thought out. It was designed with a purpose in mind. We were not made randomly. We were not created without a purpose. We were designed for a specific reason, specific time, and purpose. When we don't use the things that were the in the way that we're designed, we tend to abuse them. Let me explain this to you like this. I, I want to show you a picture of one of the knives that we have at home. If you know a little bit about knives, this is a very expensive knife. At least it's to me, because I don't cook. But this knife... Uh, you can edit the name later. It's a Cutco knife. Now, when I said the name, you know this is expensive. That's why we have one. And, uh, and what happens with this knife is that uh, when we bought it, it was shown to us that this knife cuts pretty much everything. And it's designed to cut. This is what they call cut, I mean, what they call a peeler. So it's supposed to peel everything. Now, but at some point in history, of the history of this knife in our household, somebody used it not to peel. And I'm sure that you can't tell what's wrong with that knife. It's missing the tip. 
Somebody, I would not say who, because this knife might be used against me. Used it for another purpose than the purpose that it was designed for. And you see, when we use the things that God made with a purpose for something else, we tend to abuse them. And when we abuse something or when someone is not doing the things that God made them for, that person becomes abused and we become broken. You see, when we use life for a different purpose than the one that it was designed for, we are not happy. In fact, all the things that we experience in, in our life, they have a purpose. From the simplest thing to the more complex. If we don't use them in the way that they were designed for with their true purpose, we tend to abuse them and the result is that we become broken. We become hurt. We become damaged. And then we are not at peace to do what God made us to do. And the only thing that is left is a broken tip. And this knife will never be the same again. So what God is saying is that all of us have a purpose, and our purpose, our shape, is designed with a specific purpose. And as long as we live with that specific purpose, our life will be full, we'll have joy, we'll have peace, we'll have completeness. But the moment we step out of our shape, we become sad, we become retracted from life, and our life experience becomes a heavy burden. Some people, that is why we need Prozac. So, I'm going to put the knife away. The third, the third suggestion that I have for you is that when I use my shape, it prepares me for my future in heaven. Verse 16, Psalm 139. We'll continue the same text. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. You see what happens here is that God, before he made us, he planned the amount of time that we were going to live on this earth even before we were born. Are you with me? Notice, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. That means that even before you were alive, God had already planned the length of your life. In other words, you cannot waste it. You see, we can waste money and we can get money back. We can waste energy and our energy will be back. But one thing for sure, is that you cannot waste time because time is never coming back. You see, this last couple of months, I had a beautiful experience with my children, my older two, well, with all three, but with the older two. I was, I was helping them in their volleyball team. I was one of the coaches. And, and, and we won CIF with San Gabriel Academy, which is a great deal. But see, I was with them, and every time that we were practicing, uh, uh, I remember earlier days when I could jump and hit the ball with ease. And, not, and my memory I was, was bad because I did not remember what I did the day before back then. But now my memory is sharper because every time that I practice with them, the next day I remembered. <laughs> my body would tell me, this is what you did yesterday. 
And it's a beautiful thing when we sit down and we reminisce, when we think about the days when we were younger. In fact, those of us who already are a little bit older, we remember our older days, our younger days, and we think actually that we were better than we actually were. We tend to enhance the past. Why do we think about those moments? Why do we think about the past? Why do we think about the times when we were younger? Why do we often say, man, if I were two years younger, three years younger? Because we know that at some point in time, that happened and it's never coming back. And because there were those moments were so beautiful, so nice, so full of life, that we want to have those moments back. And oftentimes that's all we think about because we don't want to think about the moments that we wasted time. Because we get upset, we, we get mad, we get sad, we get depressed because we wasted life at some point. Today, uh, this is the season for the NBA Finals. You follow basketball? And, uh, well, to me it's kind of boring because I'm neither a calf nor a warrior. So it, it, it's kind of boring, but uh, it's always the same teams for the last four years. So, But this is what happens. We celebrate in, at the end of basketball games the final second shot, don't we? You know, the score is tied, and then you see this guy gets the ball, three-point line, and it's uh, guarded by two people and, and jumps with a fadeaway. Right? Uh, and everybody celebrates the last second shot. And we think that we can all live last second lives. That it's, I'm going to do my thing, but then at the end, at the end, I'm just going to shoot a three-pointer and win the game. But see, God, being our coach, he doesn't celebrate last second shots. He celebrates 40-minute efforts. You see, because you have a better team when the team doesn't have to rely on the last second shot but relies on winning the games in the third quarter because he's been doing the right job from the beginning. And see, what God is saying today, family, what God is saying to the family in West Covina Hills Church today is that you have no time to waste. This is the time when you have to start focusing on the task that God put you on this earth for. The saddest thing is that, and I'm going to go there, some of you are going to a job every single day today where you are unhappy. And that has nothing to do with the amount of money you make. No. You are unhappy because God did not make you to do that. Because you're doing something that is completely outside of your shape. But I'm also realistic. And I know that we live in a culture, in an economy, that everybody has to work somewhere to make it happen. In fact, we do anything that we can do to make it happen. So, how can I fix this problem? The only other place... When you can use your shape and bring fulfillment to your life outside your job, it's church. In fact, that is the reason why God made you. 
And 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, by, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. We work for 40 hours a week or more. And every other week or at the end of the week or at the end of the month, we get a paycheck. And oftentimes, the month is longer than our check. Where is the joy? What God is saying here is that there is something else that you can do to use your shape and bring the joy that your life so desperately needs. And there is a place that he's prepared for you to do it. But see, a while ago I read a book called In a Pit with a Lion in a Snowy Day. And Patterson, the author, he tells a story of a man, Robert McKenzie, who worked at Hallmark. You know Hallmark, the company, the cards. And what he says is that, that, that he went to many schools, to elementary schools to talk to children. And every time he got to these schools, he asked always the question. And he would always like to start with the first graders. And, and, and as, as Mackenzie would come in front of the classroom, he would ask all the students, how many artists are here in the classroom? And he says that inequivocally, all the kids would raise their hand. The same question was asked with the second graders and the third graders. And he realized that when he got to the third graders, only half of the kids will respond to the question, how many artists do we have in the room? And only half of the children will raise their hand. By the time they got to sixth grade, Mackenzie says that when he would ask the question, how many artists are in the room, only two or three would raise their hand. You see, something happens in our life that, that when we believe in our heart that we are something, there wasn't anybody around to affirm who we are. And because we live in a world where we are to conform to the norm of everyone else, we stop being what God made us to be. Are you with me? So God made us all to be creative, to be artistic, to be useful, to be his instruments, because he made us with a shape that would give meaning to the world and to lives, not only ours, but to the lives of others. And that is the reason why he made us, because God made us to have a relationship with him and a relationship with other people. And that re those relationships are enhanced when we are within our shape. And what, what we need to learn today, family, is that we need to, to understand that today there is somebody who's telling you, I made you in this way. Do not be ashamed of your shape. Do not be ashamed of who you are. You can be what I made you to be. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise because I made you and I bought you with a price. So family, as we think on the shape that God made us with, Brother Chester is going to tell us the same message in, in a song. And, and oftentimes, someone, someone is going to, to tell you that, no, you can't do that. No, you, you, that's impossible. But remember, 
you don't belong to that person. That person did not make you. God made you. Not only to love you, but to, for you. And through you, he could love others. Let's listen to the song. The gospel I defend demands my soul, my life, my all. And that is what I gave the day I heard my Savior call. Now some may say I'm foolish, oh, but I'm not pleasing them. For Jesus is my Lord, and when it comes to loving Him, I make no apologies, I accept no compromise, I believe what I believe, and I'll believe it till I die. I refuse to remain silent. I'll proclaim it shamelessly. I love the Lord, and I make no apologies. I long to live my life. Without one moment of regret And hear him say, well done When I have breathed my final breath So I pledge my heart completely To the cross of Calvary And proudly lift up either so that all the world might see I make no apologies I accept no compromise I believe what I believe And I'll believe it till I die I refuse to remain silent I'll proclaim it shamelessly. I love the Lord, and I make no apology. Proclaim it shamelessly. I love the Lord and I make no 